welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Uh, so if you are uh, here joining me live, say hello in the q and I'd love to know who's here. Chris is here from Annapolis. Hey, Chris. Katie's here. Yay, the sound is great. Oh, thanks, Katie. That's awesome. Uh, Chris, I'm going to get to your question. Um, totally have time for that today as well. So like I said, today we're talking about how do you bring more philosophy into your yoga classes? And I can see by the number of people who have uh, jumped on live today that this is a popular topic. So super cool. Uh, and just on that, you know, if there is something that you're working on that that you would like my support with, um, or you think would make for a great podcast topic, we're always looking for topics. So you can always just uh, DM me on Insta if you have a topic in mind for the podcast. I'm at Amy Yoga Biz Coach to find me. Uh, love to make sure that these podcast topics are really useful and current and um, in service to what it is that, that, that you're working through at the moment. So always uh, love to get a podcast suggestion. I know the fabulous Elaine in Singapore has been sending me some ideas recently and they're super useful. So keep them coming. Just DM me at Insta. Uh, that would be fantastic. Now, before I jump into, I've got three ways and I've got three like preparatory tips. I couldn't limit myself to just three things. So I'm going to tell you six things. Three of them are hows and three of them are just before you how. Before I tell you about all of those, I want to quickly mention this. Guess what? I'm having a flash sale. It's seriously awesome. I'll tell you more about it at the end of the podcast. But if you want to go check it out right now, uh, head over to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash flash sale. Or if you're here live with me, there's a button somewhere on the Instant Teleseminar platform. You can click that. It'll take you there. Essentially, for the next just under a week, uh, I've got like 40% off all of my coaching. So if you like the idea of working one-to-one -one with me, good news. Flash sale, 40% off. Go check it out. I'll tell you more later on. So for now, let's talk about bringing more yoga philosophy into your classes. So um, you all know, if you're regular listeners, that I am a uh, proud card-carrying yoga nerd. I love me some yoga philosophy. In fact, these days I would consider myself far more a jnana yogi than a karma yogi. And that means I like to read more books and do asana. Uh, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, it just, it's easier on my pelvis. Um, and other things. I love, love, love all of, all, all of the yoga philosophy and, um, and the conversations that arise from that. And I love to share that with my students and, and you guys, you know, who else teaches you how to make a Facebook ad while quoting the Bhagavad Gita? Me! Uh, I love it. Um, and a lot of people are interested in it as well. And want to provide more to their students than yoga asana, but then feel uncertain about how to go about that. So if that, if you feel that, if that's been something that that's um, been sitting with you, type into the chat. Um, if there's something in particular that you want to teach people, like let's keep this really specific, given that lots of people are interested in this topic. Um, you know, keep me, keep talking to me today, folks, and I'll tailor what it is that you're working on. Um, as we go. So, um, Chris says, Annapolis, Maryland. I've been there, Chris. Maryland is a nice state. Hello, says fabulous Catherine Avery. Chris says, yes, we can finally hear you. I think Chris has been waiting for ages. So I'm so glad you hung in there, Chris. 
<laughs> um, all right. So here I've got I've got three things to think about before I give you my tips on where to get started. So the first one is, <clears throat> look, it is actually important if you teach at studios. <clears throat> excuse me, croaky throat this morning. If you do teach at studios, it is important to be mindful of what are the what are the uh, what is the culture of the studio where you teach? You know what what's okay and what's not okay. Some people I've heard, you know, people who teach in gyms, for example, then it's, it's actually not okay to chant Om, for example, at the start of class. It's not in scope for the particular venue, um, and so just to be mindful of that and to check in. Now, this doesn't mean that you need to shy away from it or avoid it. If this is something you feel called to do, there are all sorts of ways that you can blend philosophy into your classes without suddenly looking like you know someone's turned up to a potentially yoga sutra lecture um or you, you know you're going to chant the whole hanuman chalisa before you before you come to tadasana there are ways to do it but it is very important that you are mindful of the requirements <clears throat> and the situation and the culture of the places where you teach uh this is also true you know if you teach um in different cultures or if you teach uh, in different um, religious institutions that you just check in with that and like I said there are ways to be mindful and sensitive to all of these differences but knowing what the requirements are up front is really important so for example when I'm at a, um, a studio in uh, Indonesia that lots of um, Muslim folks there and um, and, and so when we talk about these things, we talk about it with a very secular approach, you know, because we don't want to be in conflict with other people's belief systems. They're not coming to yoga to be converted. I'm not trying to do that, obviously. But there are powerful teachings. I'm going to share them. And this is how we can talk about it. And so just to be mindful of those sorts of things before you get started. And that gets that gets to look like having a really... Um, open conversation with the person who employs you. Like I said, you don't have to, um, you don't have to, um, you don't have to avoid this. You don't have to sneak it in, but you do, you, you can have great boundaries and just ask people really clearly, you know, what, what's okay. Would it be okay if I talked about this or would it be okay? Um, if I mentioned, you know, these principles, just check in so that you feel really confident. Uh, Chris, I'm so sorry. There's like nothing I can do about it. <laughs> um, I'm doing my very best. If it gets terrible, you can check us out on the recording. Um, the second thing to just bear in mind is that you don't need to be an expert. You know, you don't don't expect yourself to suddenly be an an academic or a lifelong scholar of I don't know the Shiva Sutras just because you want to mention a particular meditation that comes from that text. You know, you don't need to be able to know the entire Ramayana off by heart in order to share an anecdote that might make a point about a particular quality, confidence or uh, open-heartedness or something. You don't need to know the whole book to be able to teach from that place. So don't expect yourself to be an expert, just like you're probably not an expert in everything to do with anatomy. Maybe you are, great. But you can still teach a class, you can still teach a hip opening class without knowing every anatomical structure to do with the pelvis. It's probably a good idea that you know a fair bit, but you don't need to know all of it. So don't limit yourself because you feel that you don't know enough yet. Chances are, if you're considering this topic, mm, I'd like to bring more philosophy into my classes, the chances are that your students probably 
don't know much yet anyway if they've never come to a class that has a little bit more um talking in it or um they might not be aware that yoga is actually more than stretching and exercise so if you know more than them you're well placed or if you know different from them you're well placed you know when a student asks you a question and you don't know the answer no matter what it's about let that be the start of a conversation you know if someone says hey my my ankle hurts when i do this if you you're not immediately going to be able to say well that's because blah 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 and in fact i would recommend that that as yoga teachers it's not our job to diagnose but rather to enter into a conversation well what about this or try that or how does it feel now and you can do the same with philosophy well what does that mean for you and why do you feel differently about this let it be a conversation you don't have to know everything and you don't have to have all of the answers it's also totally okay to say you know what i don't know i don't know the answer to that question but i'm going to do some research and we'll talk about it some more next week you know the, let let the philosophy that you do share be a doorway for people to go exploring more of their own um let this be a, the, an opportunity for people to go explore more of um the topic go, go do their own research if that's if that's what lights them up and then the third point before you uh get started just to feel a little bit more confident is similar to the point before which is um, be a hungry and curious student like just keep learning and expose yourself to bunches of stuff like listen to lots of podcasts I uh, get, listen to more audiobooks go to more lectures um, I love crashing a uh, ISKCON lecture on the Bhagavad Gita I mean I'm um, you know Prabhupada doesn't necessarily share the same interpretation as I do I mean I'm a you know proud tantrika Prabhupada, not so much, but that doesn't. But I can go and learn a bunch of stuff um, from from listening to some an ISKCON person talk to me about Prabhupada and, and their interpretation of the Bhagavad Gita. You know, like just consume and learn and and enjoy and um, be discerning in how you assimilate information, but maybe let yourself be more wide ranging with the information that you take in. And and just on that, you know, I'm increasingly. Um, mindful of the way that so many important teachings from our tradition become watered down in things like social media and blogs and where teachings can start to become superficial so also know that if you you know if you see it on a meme it doesn't necessarily mean that that's actually what Arjuna said to Krishna in that moment maybe let yourself go do a little bit more research one of the things I love to do is watch um like watch YouTube videos, like like Hindi cartoons. Get on that. You wanna you wanna get some philosophy in a fun way. Go watch some like little mini movies on YouTube from India. Great, great stories um, there that you can then weave into your teaching. So there's my three preliminary points. And I'm um, poor Chris. I think is. Um, can't hear anything on the webcast. Oh no! What are you gonna do? I'm so sorry. It's just absolutely crapful wi-fi where i am at the moment folks like i said if it is really terrible and you're joining me live i am also doing a backup recording so we'll get that out to you uh later today so just to recap the three preliminary points check to make sure that where you are teaching it's going to be okay and feel confident so that you're not 
dubious or okay let's all let's all chant the Gayatri mantra under our breath so that no one hears us know that you don't have to know everything about everything and guess what yoga is freaking massive and constantly evolving like the universe so you're never going to know everything anyway and if you look back through the tradition in fact um you know, it, it is a tradition of commentary, of evolution, of iterative learning and explanation. So let your uh, pursuit of yoga philosophy add to the complexity of that tapestry. You don't have to get it all right. You can't. You can't know it all because there's simply too much. And let's face it, some of it we haven't even translated yet. Some of it's just been lost. So um, go for it. Uh, and like I said, expose yourself to as much as you can and be discerning in that. Uh, when I was um, had the very good fortune to sit with Carlos Palmeira about a month ago, and he was talking about how you know some really common misinterpretations of things in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and in the Bhagavad Gita, where we've just actually become way too reductive in how we interpret some of these primary teachings to the point where they're actually in conflict with what the author originally had intended. So be mindful of you know if if if, if you're reading like a meme. <laughs> like a, a, a quote card from Facebook, um, don't be attached to the fruits, all that sort of stuff. Just be careful um, that it isn't overly reductive and that the author of that material is is deriving their um, their interpretation from a source because things can get a little bit diluted. And I, I want to take a stand in our industry for professionalism and that includes being aware of the quality of the information that we're sharing now like I said that doesn't mean you need to know everything you don't have to be an exhaustive scholar on this stuff but it does mean that you get to be discerning and look at your sources critically just like if you were going to sign up for a yoga teacher training you'd probably do once you've done your first 200 hours if you're anything like me but you'd probably do a bit of research before you you know you just launched into something to make sure that it was reputable to make sure that it was in line with what you believed in and then you would sign up ditto for where you're going to uh where you're going to take your teachings from so that you feel that they are authentic and actually while they may be um while they may be a modern take on things, and I've got a bunch of resources I'm going to share along those lines in a moment, that they do still draw from something that is actually in our tradition and not, you know, we see a lot of stuff diluted from the new age in popular culture. Um, a lot of people uh, reinterpret things, I think, inappropriately. So we just need to be mindful of that. All right, give me a shout out. Um, I just want to make sure that you can hear at least some of this, folks, if uh, if you're in the... <laughs> joining me live. I don't want it to be a total shit show. Sorry, Apple podcast. I just dropped a swear at 16 minutes in. We'll note that in our settings. Okay. So how do you start then? If you've just taught yoga asana, maybe, you know, you just come in and teach people about their hamstrings. Today we're doing the rotator cuff. And then all of a sudden you're like, today we're doing, um, I don't know, like, um, the glaciers. <laughs> Today we're talking about the fact that the entire universe is an illusion and it's your job to get back to pure consciousness. Whoa, hang on a second. I'm just here to work on my, like, you know, my shoulder mobility. You don't want to freak people out. How do you sort of start to bring this in in a way that's not too much? Ah, uh, thanks, Catherine. You're a superstar. So I think one of the best doorways that is readily available to everybody, regardless of their 
existing spiritual tradition or their religious belief, beliefs or their culture or their appetite for jnana yoga. Um, and, and, and something that yoga is just so good at is stories and archetypes. I think starting with stories and archetypes is the most beautiful doorway to start introducing more complex ideas into your classes. I mean, look at the Puranas. You know, we've got the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. Like, there you go. You spend the rest of your life, I don't know, if you're like two years old now and teaching yoga, excellent, child prodigy, you could still teach for the rest of your life 20 classes a week and not run out of material just with those two books alone. Uh, stories and archetypes. So think about all of the amazing stories that you can tell. And there's all of the big ones like Hanuman leaping to Lanka to save the princess or um, I don't know, what's another... Uh, type in your favorite yoga story like the you know the, the 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 really obvious ones that people teach a lot of but then it but then there's like all sorts of amazing um little tiny micro stories like um you know the micro stories like what about when when Bhima was walking through the forest and um thinking he was all that and the best hero in the world and then and then he tripped over Hanuman's tail and and he said to Hanuman, hey, dude, get that shit out of my way. Don't you know who I am? And Hanuman's lying there and he's like, well, if you're such a big man, move it yourself. And so Bhima, the big warrior, reached down, tried to pick up Hanuman's tail and he couldn't move it. You know, this, there's a whole story, easy story, about humility, straight up, and about real strength and inner power. You know, straight up, there's a story from yoga. You started to introduce things like, what? The monkey-headed god? Hang on. But it's very available because it's an anecdote, you know, humans are we are wired to learn from storytelling you know if you've done my writing from the heart program i talk a lot about that why is it that stories are so compelling why is it that that archetypes are so transformative how can we use this in our yoga you know there's there's so much science behind this and you can see it not only in science but just through the very just through history the fact that across cultures we share so many archetypes. So look at um, look at uh, women who run with the wolves. I mean, there's the classic text about archetypes and how they're so powerful. Um, one of my favorite yoga books is Sally, you know, Sally Kempton's book, Awakening Shakti. You want to get started on this? What a beautiful book. Not only does it have, uh, I think, I don't know, tell me, I can't remember off the top of my head, it's like 10 goddesses that Sally Kempton goes into in detail. Um, a, but she also has practices in there. She has meditations. She has visualizations. It's such a rich um, uh, manual, if you like, on starting to bring archetypes and storytelling into your yoga classes. And, you know, Sally Kempton, she comes also from a tantric tradition, so it's very um, body positive, modern day, applicable, um, householder, uh, uh, householder informed, great text. Some of my clients really specialize in in sort of uh, archetype work one of my clients she teaches workshops on the goddesses each a different one each month you know come to my lakshmi workshop come to my radha workshop come to my saraswati workshop whatever you know there's a great way to do it if you want to start playing with something put on a particular class um maybe another one of my um another one of my clients she does like an intensive five mornings uh, for a week and we're exploring uh, these these archetypes, you know, um, Shiva, Hanuman, whatever. There's another way to start playing with yoga philosophy because you're using stories and archetypes. People really resonate 
with these and yoga is chock full of them like you know another one of my um i'm a bit of a i love me a bit of shiver storytelling <laughs> blame my anusara past so another book here if you um i've got a bunch of books i'm going to shout out as we go through these another book that i think is great uh adi yogi adi yogi by Sadhguru. It's an interesting book. It's ghostwritten. I, I can't remember the name of the woman who actually wrote it with Sadhguru, but just look for Sadhguru Adiyogi. Um, I think you can only get it like over the counter in India, but I'm sure you can mail order it from wherever. It's a great book. It's full of little anecdotes and stories about Shiva from like the Rudra stuff, like way back, Rudra the Howler, the very uh, primordial form of Shiva, right through to, uh, if you like, more recent um, teachings on, on Shiva and storytelling. So, I mean, there you go. Teach something on that. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a year's worth of yoga classes based just on that book. So stories and archetypes are a really great way to get started. Um, the second thing I think is a really good way to get started is to, rather than going hardcore into, okay, folks, before we do any, before we do Sarai Namaskar A, I'm going to teach you the far, the three gunas and how you blend them together, you know, um, is to actually look at practices that might be a little bit more detailed in their instruction and, um, and, and start to bring in more uh, like considered principles and teachings outside of just turn your right foot out, bend your right knee to a square, you know, rather than start to bring in more um, instruction from you that is beyond just the physical body so things like yoga nidra things like pranayama bringing in um teaching these in greater depth so that people start to become accustomed to the fact that you are a teacher beyond just stretches and yoga asana so um again two of my favorite books to get started here totally i am all over the Satchitananda. Yoga Nidra book, the blue one. I mean, there's just a classic resource. If you if you've never taught Yoga Nidra, if you want to get yourself this book, it's just amazing. Um, it's got a whole lot of. It's old now, uh, like me. Uh, it's got a whole lot of philosophy about why Yoga Nidra works, um, and then it's just got all the classic scripts. You know, the golden egg, the going down the into the forest, all of that stuff, um, as well as the right thumb, right first finger, right second finger, like it's a great resource if you want to get more confident in yoga nidra um, and it's very, um, like I, I've, mine's got tabs all over it so that I can flip between different um, scripts if you've got 10 minutes, if you've got 7 minutes, if you want to go for an hour, it's a great resource and, and in talking about, um, you know, you just, you, you, you it's got a chakra um, chakra visualization in there too, which could be a great entry point to start talking about the energy body, the pranamaya kosha. So that would be one resource that I would recommend. And then of course, I think you can't go past, uh, Mr. Iyengar, BKS Iyengar's light on pranayama. If you want to start talking more about the breath and prana and bringing in again, conversations about the energy body or the, you know, the subtle body, um, more than just breathe deeply, you know, um, another fantastic book and again it's it's a classic 
um, in my in the yoga studio where I teach, it would be in Bill's special cupboard where all of the classics go that you have to ask permission before you can borrow. Um, so there are two books there, Satchitananda book, Yoga Nidra Instructions and Mr. Iyengar's Light on Pranayama, starting to use more complex and considered practices before or after class. Maybe you want to do more Nada yoga. Maybe you want to bring in more... Um, uh, chanting, maybe you want to start exploring sound and talking about what that means on a philosophical level. So looking for books that teach you about chanting. I know when we were still doing the Abundant Yoga Teacher Book Club, one of the books that we looked at, I can't remember the author, apologies, but it was essentially, a, um, it was an ISKCON book and it was about the the Mahamantra, you know, the Hare Krishna Mantra and, and how that works and why it works. I mean, what an interesting thing to teach people about if that lights you up. Um, then let me see how we're going, folks. Anyone have any questions about anything that I've shared so far or any? if you want me to go deeper into any of these topics? Like I said, I'd love this to be more interactive than less today because I know that it has been uh, a topic that people have been interested in chatting about. Um, that have been, you know, people have been sharing with me that they're interested in this topic. So let's keep it interactive if there's anything in particular or if you've got like a book that you love uh, I know we love sharing a resource here in this community, so uh, let's go for a shout-out on that. And then the third um, the third tip that I've got for getting started with philosophy is to do readings from books. And, I mean, I, I grew up in the Anusara tradition in my teacher training, and it was... It, it, a critical element of a class. A class wasn't complete unless it had a theme. And one of... And so in my teacher training and um, in Anusara Immersions, um, and I don't know if it's changed now because I moved away from that school, but at the time, um, you know, there was a lot of, we got a lot of study on how to do that well, how to bring a theme in. And one of the one of the ways that we were taught then was, you know, you could read a poem. Now, personally, like read a Mary Oliver poem. I don't know, you know what I mean? Read some Kabir or whatever. Um, I'm not a big fan of that personally, but a lot of people like to do it and a and a lot of people seem to like having that in class. I mean, that's a thing. But today, specifically, when we're talking about bringing more yoga philosophy into class, I'm talking about reading from the great books, um, actually from our tradition. So um, uh, looking for ways that you can actually read um, the, the, the big teachings, the big yoga teachings, but in a way that is, again, going to be more accessible to your students. So it's probably, you're probably not going to get like Bryant's, Edward Bryant's Patanjali's Yoga Sutras commentary. You know, it's a freaking phone book. It's great, but you're probably not just going to haul that out and go into a deep discourse about you know, <laughs> just for, I'm, to, we're going to start by reading two chapters from Brian's. Like, no, people would probably fall asleep or leave. Uh, but if, um, but if you can find some books that are more of a doorway into these bigger texts or these more profound texts, that's going to give you confidence, and it's also going to make it more accessible to your students. So. Uh, some of my so, so I've got some <clears throat> of my favorites again. I love the Bhagavad Gita and teachings on the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, it's just got so much in it. From it's got stories, it's got archetypes, it's got you know teachings on the gunas, teachings on 
um, the nature of reality, teachings on how to be a good person, teachings on how to live well and keep yourself healthy. It's, it's, there's so much richness in it, let alone like the setup of it at all. The fact that, you know, it's like the whole thing is hearsay, you know, that in itself is an interesting teaching. But if you just pulled out a copy of the Gita, even if you had a great translation, people were like, what the hell are you even talking about? Um, you know, for most people. Now, if you if you teach, um, you know, some of those, some of you greatest dungies and you have like, today, you know, come along to my chanting class. We're working through the second part of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. We're going to chant it together. That there is that is That stuff is awesome. Uh, can I come? But today I'm really focusing on if you've never done anything like this before, how do you get started? So... Something like, I mean, if you're interested in teaching on the Bhagavad Gita, my favorite, my favorite um, bloody uh, Bhagavad Gita book for sure is Paths to God by Ramdas. Like, you want a good read? Read that. I mean, I, I, you know, those early teachings of Ramdas, the man's hilarious and, and it's, it's just fun and you know get transported back to the 60s and and LSD and Krishna consciousness awesome like who doesn't want to do that so if you I, I when I first discovered that the Gita was even a thing and uh I you know got my first copy of it on the teacher training reading list and I'm looking at this thing like what the hell I, I can't understand this I don't know what this means and then I bought Ramdas's Paths to God and oh here we go this is not only explaining things to me in a context that I can understand, perhaps not LSD, but you know what I mean. It's also fun and interesting, so I would totally recommend that. Um, I also recommend uh, the Bhagavad Gita for Modern Times by Swami Sadashiva Tirtha. That's a great little book. It's a little bit dated now, but it's totally easy to read. And if you're looking for some go-to resources, you can just flip that open to a page and straight up, just in a paragraph, you'll have a nugget enough to go teach something powerful to your people. Um, so I'll say that one again. It's called the Bhagavad Gita for Modern Times. It's got a red cover and um, and it's by Swami Sadashiva Tirtha. Uh, and then I also, um, I also, because I have a bit of a soft spot for Swami Satchidananda and I go to Yogaville every year and you know, how can you not love a Swami that's just so damn cute? You know, he's so cute. If you don't know who Swami is, such an under his Google it. But essentially, he is the, he's tall. He, he, he's Mahasamadhi now, but left the body now. But um, tall, orange robes, uh, long beard with like the Pepe Le Pew white sort of section. Uh, not Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, slimmer and taller. <laughs> um, he has a book called The Living Gita I think it was written in like 88 so again it's a bit dated but still it's a it's a fun you know he's kind of a bit like your grandpa and Santa Claus and a yogi all in one so it's kind of stories like that uh, really accessible really playful and um, also you know if you just never really managed to get yourself through the Gita because it's heavy going these three books are, are going to be useful for you as well as bringing philosophy into your classes. So that's The Living Gita by Swami Satchidananda. Now on that one, you know, Swami Satchidananda, um, different interpretation, older man interpretation of things. You've got to take these through your own cultural lens. I still think it's a powerful book. 
if you are a Patanjali Yoga Sutra person, like I said. Um, oh, Katie says, I love the Living Gita, right? Cool, Katie. Yes. Yay. I just love Swami Satchidananda. I would have loved to go to his satsangs. When I'm um when I go to Yogaville to be with Krishnadas every year, that on the Saturday night concert they always start with like a half hour playing of a video of one of the videos from back in the day, back in the what, early nineties, late eighties. And he's just hilarious and so sweet, so sweet. So sweet. Okay, so if you're into the Yoga Sutras. Again, uh, I've got some ideas for you. I, I mean, Jenny Lee is the business. We love her. If you don't know her, uh, she's awesome. I interviewed her uh, last year. You could probably find that on one of my previous podcasts, me and Jenny Lee having a chat. Um, so go find that. But she has a great book called True Yoga where she breaks down um, the limbs, if you want to know about that, uh, the yamas and the niyamas. Um so I, I think that's a good book. Jenny Lee's from Paramahamsa Yogananda's lineage. So again, interesting in itself. Um, I like Les Leventhal's book. If you Again, I kind of like the rock star. Maybe it's because I was such a nerd growing up. You know, anybody that had a boozy, druggy life is <laughs> more interesting than me. Uh, I like Les's book. It takes a different... You know, I used to work in the gay porn industry and here's the potentially yoga sutras. Why not? Uh, I, I like it, the way that he talks about... I mean, Les, as if you've studied with Les, um, he's just such a real guy, you know, and he's been on his own journey and he, the man can teach vinyasa. I mean, shit, I, he inspires me every time. Um, he's got a great book called Two Lifestyles, One Lifetime, I like. It's essentially his, bio, his autobiography through the Yamas and the Niyamas. Great book. Um, there are two that I would recommend if you're interested in starting to bring the, um, if you're starting to bring the Patanjali's Yoga Sutras into your class. Um, you know, I, I remember teaching, you know, I thought I'd teach in the country, Australia, people are a bit, nah, fuck that, mate. They're not going to be interested in this stuff. But I thought, no, bugger it, I'm going to teach out of, I'm going to teach a different sutra every day for 10 weeks, every class for 10 weeks. And um, do you know what? At the end of, because we have a tradition with my classes where at the last class someone bakes a cake and we eat cake at the end. At the end of that 10 weeks, someone brought in a cake with Sukhastiram Asanam in icing on the top. That's frosting in everyone in the States for Chris. Written on the top of the cake. So it turns out, actually, people like it. Someone quoted Patanjali on a chocolate cake, you know? So it <laughs> just loops me back to my original point. You don't have to be an expert and don't be frightened that you're going to freak people out. Then there's, you know, super accessible things. Again, you know, we could have a conversation that we won't have about uh, how much, how many standard deviations from the original text are you comfortable with. But everybody seems to, well, a lot of people seem to really love Lorin Roche's Radiance Sutras. You know, maybe the Vinyata Bhairava is too much to start with, but the, the Radiance Sutras could be a great doorway. So there's some sort of texts that um, I recommend for getting started. Uh, maybe we can post these up if that would be useful. Post them in the Facebook group if you want to. If we can write them all down for you. Uh, if you want to go get a reading list, uh, Katie says that Swami Satchidananda makes things really easy to understand. He, doesn't he, Katie? And the other thing I love about sort of Swamis of his vintage, Indian Swamis of his vintage, they love puns. D do you notice? Like um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the same. I think Sri Sri Ravi Shankar is the same. Sadhguru is the same. Like, these men love a good pun. I don't know if there's if um, Indian folks. Is that just more of an Indian cultural thing? Love me a pun. 
it's hilarious. Cracks me up. It's like getting yoga philosophy with dad jokes. So good. Uh, So that's kind of the three tips that I had to share. Let me recap. Look to stories and archetypes as a starting point. Um, Look to deepening practices as a starting point, as a doorway to start talking about more complex things like metaphysics, um, more esoteric things. And then take readings from great books, short readings and then conversation or short readings and then your explanation. And looking again to maybe rather than going straight to the source, like let's let's look at Lakshmanju's commentary on the Shivas. Maybe that's too much. I mean, maybe Lakshmanju's Radiant Sutras, maybe start with Lorraine Roche and segue. Um, but but go again, like I said at the beginning, be discerning about um, what you choose to teach and make sure that it does tie into, if you are looking to actually teach yoga philosophy, make sure that it does tie into something that has come from your lineage rather than just something that you might find on Facebook, which may have been overly redacted and to the point where it contradicts its the original intention of the teaching. Okay, so uh, Catherine had a great question about how do you actually um, how do you actually um, weave this stuff into um, how do you actually weave this stuff into teaching asana which is a really great question Catherine so um, I remember Darren Rhodes um, talking about this about how uh, in Anusara he felt that you got the philosophy sandwich, that you got, okay, sit down, everybody, come in close, gather around, I'm going to teach you something, and then we're going to chant the invocation, and then we'll go do yoga asana, and then we'll come back at the end, and I'll teach you something else, and then you'll go home. How do you avoid that being the philosophy sandwich? Um, I I think you just keep talking about it, Catherine, throughout. One of the things I love, well, you know this, Catherine, from, but you've, having done some of my classes on um, retreat, is um, storytelling is great for this. Like, you can tell a story across across a 90 minute yoga asana class and I, I have a fetish uh for if I want someone to if I want you guys to be in a long hold like if I want you to be in utkatasana for too long you know those utkatasanas then I'll tell you a story while you're holding it so that you're slightly distracted from the fact that you're having an oh my quad moment uh you know if you're teaching I mean the classic let's teach hanuman asana while I'm teach while I'm also telling you the story about the leap to lanka um uh, what else? Um, you, you can teach the Ganesha story, you know, uh, um, about problem solving while you're talking about modifications. So how can you relate a story to what it is that the asana that you're teaching in the class? Um, uh, looking at archetypes, um, you know, if you're, if you're teaching an archetype on uh, like maybe you choose Durga as your archetype, right? And so you're teaching about clarity and focus and intention and fearlessness all at the same time. And maybe you're also teaching uh, standing poses for that class. Well, you can be talking about the attributes of Durga during your um, during the teachings of that. Uh, <clears throat> Noah used to, my teacher used to, um, I remember years ago, he taught us, he was, we were doing uh, um, Ustrasana, camel pose. From and he was teaching about like rather than just like um, maxing out your your lumbar 
you know, to, to get into a back bend, actually thinking spinal sort of lift before back, you know, go long and up before you lean back. <clears throat> and, he, and he made the analogy of imagine that you're Lakshmi and you put one set of arms in on your sacrum and feel that and keep that and lift from there. And then you take your second set of arms and you put them in as high up as you can reach of your thoracic spine and you lift up and lean back from there. Um, and so he was using sort of archetypes in a really embodied way so that we had the imagery of Lakshmi while we were also accessing greater length in the spine to come into Ustrasana. So, you know, that's a way that you can start um, blending blending these things in. Um, how else? I, I also, I mean, I don't teach vinyasa. So... Um, because I don't teach vinyasa, people don't expect in my classes to just keep moving the whole time. Um, so I would, there would be points where I would say, okay, stop, sit, listen to this. Um, I'm going to show you something here or put your hand on this part of your body. I'm going to tell you something about it or notice this about your breath. And I'm going to teach you something about it here. Or we're going to now pause mid maybe you've just done like a big inversion thing and before you go into a backbending thing you actually get people to sit down and do um, a short visualization from the shiva sutras for example and then you move on it's different if you teach vinyasa and people are expecting to be constantly moving but i think some of the examples that i've just used definitely can be useful uh for vinyasa if people are expecting to keep moving consistently so, folks, they're my points. And, Catherine, thanks for raising that question. That was, a, that was a great one. And we are at time. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with me while I suspect the audio for everybody whose live has been a shit sandwich. But, you know, sometimes that happens. Um, like I said, I've done a backup recording. So you can go get it on Apple Podcasts. If you are listening in on Apple Podcasts, hello. Please subscribe and give me some stars if you are enjoying these sessions that really helps me a lot i'm going to do a recap and then i'm going to tell you a little bit more about the flash sale before i finish up for today so my three preliminary points were check where you're teaching make sure be mindful of the culture um, the background the appetite and the regulations of where you're teaching some people some studios they're not okay with alms they're not okay with whatever you can still talk about today we're going to talk about courage and i'm going to tell you a story about a warrior who yada yada whatever like you can still do that um, but you might not say, um, you know, you are God having a human experience, for example. Uh, um, remember that you don't have to be an expert. Uh, you are a lay person. Uh, a lot of these teachings are made for real people. They're, they're made to help us understand complex ideas. So you just need to be a little bit further down the road than your students. And if they ask questions that you don't know the answer to, it's okay to say, look, I don't know. What do you think? Or, look, I don't know. I'm going to do some research. I'll get back to you next week. And then just be a hungry student, be a voracious learner, expose yourself to all sorts of stuff, be discerning, but go big, go broad uh, and, and take it all in. Um, read other people's things, disagree with people, go to talks, um, listen to audiobooks. And every time I, every, I listen to um, autobiography of a yogi all the time because Yogananda just has so, I mean, it's, it's not actually his autobiography, it's like a it's like a go-to manual on yoga. It's there's so much in it, you know. What, what, what and he can say one sentence, and bam, I've got enough philosophy in that one sentence to teach like two classes. So just keep exposing yourself to stuff, particularly if you if you love to nerd out on this. Let yourself, let yourself. 
go to go to Douglas and go to Carlos and go to everyone else lots of times. The same lecture again and again. You'll get different things each time. Then my points, how do you start to bring this in? One, um, stories and archetypes. And I love Sally Kempton's Awakening Shakti. I love Sadhguru's Adiyogi. There are tons more. Um, like um, um, Devdutt Padanek, all of his books are incredible. Uh, you know, his book on Sita, his book on the Ramayana, his book on the Hanuman Chalisa, all of his books are just amazing. So uh, stories and archetypes are a great way. Look at deepening your practices with things like Yoga Nidra or Pranayama. I love the Satchidananda Yoga Nidra book. I love Mr. Iyengar's Light on Pranayama. And then the third point was uh, take readings or read passages from commentaries or interpretations of the great texts. Paths to God by Ramdas, the Bhagavad Gita for Modern Times by Swami Sadashiva Tirtha, the Living Gita by Swami Satchidananda, Jenny Lee's True Yoga about the Yoga Sutras. I love Les Leventhal's Two Lifestyles, One Lifetime. And then every uh, go-to for a lot of people is Lorin Roche's Radiant Sutras if you're interested in the Vinyana Bhairava and starting to look at more of those really juicy tantric texts. There you have it, folks. That is everything I wanted to share with you for today. Before I finish up... Um, Catherine says, thanks heaps, lots of yoga books for Christmas coming my way. Yes, yes, tax-deductible Christmas gifts. Hello! Love it, right? Um, we should probably have like a lending library. <laughs> Just post things to each other. <laughs> oh, and I, it would be... Uh, no, I, I, I could go on. I'm not going to about books to... I'm going to recommend. I'm going to leave it there. Folks, I want to talk briefly before I finish up about the flash sale. So for the next... Let me tell you exactly because it's got a countdown on the webpage. Clever. Uh, for the next six days, 17 hours, 12 minutes and 40, 39 seconds, 38 seconds, uh, I've got 40% off all of my private coaching. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, the Grow, Surf and Shine, which is a six-month private coaching program, it's normally 10 grand, it's $6,000 for the next six days. Uh, or I also am doing, like, um, never done this before, if you're interested in a 90-minute intensive, they're normally $500 and they're just 197 um, for the next six days. So that's a great way to get me and you and your business in a room together virtually uh, to really get clear on where you're going, what your goals are, branding, marketing, uh, plant, project planning, if you want to launch a retreat, all of that sort of stuff. Um, $197, it's a ding-dong awesome investment. Already started to sell those. So both of these things are limited, folks, because I only got so much time. Um, but if you want to go take a look at those, like I said, it's uh, 40% off just for the next six days. The website is amymcdonald.com.au forward slash flash sale. These things never been this cheap before, so get on it. If you've been thinking about working with me, um, get on it. The the 90-minute intensive, uh, you can use that anytime between now and the end of January. So if you think that maybe moving into 2019 is going to be a good time to have that focused intention uh, with me, then get yourself one now so that you can use it uh, in January. And if you are interested in working with me as a private client in the Grow, Serve and Shine program, awesome. Um, if you want to have a chat with me about that before you sign up, I think that's a really good idea. If I know you already, have at it. Um, but if we're new to each other, it is probably a great idea that we have a chat. So shoot me an email and we can set that up, amy at amymcdonald.com.au. There's only two of those available, folks, only two Grow, Serve and Shine places available because um, that's that's like the deepest most contact way you can work with me and so I don't have a lot of clients at any one time because I want to make sure that I can be really present for the clients that I do have so there's only two of those if you're interested in one but we haven't really spent a lot of time together yet 
just shoot me an email and let's check in um, to make sure that I'm going to be the right coach for you and you're going to be the right client for me. Uh, but if you just fancy having 90 minutes of me and you uh, and your business, have at it. Um, there's 12 of those uh, 90-minute intensives available for $197, which is <laughs> cray cray affordable. I want to like if if you, if we have if we don't know each other yet, get yourself one of those. Let's hang out. Um, you can find all the information at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash flash sale. Everybody who is having Turkey Day today or tomorrow as it would be, uh, happy Thanksgiving. And thanks everyone for hanging in with me during my shitful internet situation. Um, have a great day, everybody, and take good care. Go out, share some philosophy. Let's remind people that yoga is more than an exercise class. Hey, all right, folks, take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that fabulous yogi superstar. Want more from me? Subscribe to this podcast or follow me on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Talk again soon.